Lux here in Kamala's entrance music. Just let me give you the quick background story with me and Kamala. In 2011, I start this little podcast, and in 2012, I have a grand total of four shows. The fifth show was with James Harris, a.k.a. Kamala. What happened was I was watching WWE Network one night, and there was an old wrestling match with Kamala. So I go, let me see what he's up to. I find his website, and I email him. I'm like, hey, dude, I do this podcast. I have like 23 listeners, but I would love for you to come on and talk old school wrestling. He wrote right back. He's like, I can come on in an hour. So I jot down all these notes. And Kamala comes to my podcast. I thought it was just a great interview. Tragically, two days ago, he passed away. He was fighting a lot of illnesses. You know, he had his legs amputated and everything. And I said to myself, I got to go back and re-listen to my interview with Kamala from 2012. I, you know, we crushed it, him and I. Boy, was I wrong. I just re-listened to that shit show. He was awesome. I was embarrassingly bad. Like, so bad that I want to delete the podcast. I was stuttering, stammering. I was so nervous speaking over Kamala. He was setting me up with stuff by telling me that he got a $1.80 royalty check. And instead of me following up with a royalty question, I just went to question number three. Like, hey, Kamala, what made you want to wrestle? Who was your influencers? So I'm definitely not reposting this podcast for me. I just want to repost it to show what a great man this guy was. And for some weird reason, everyone who comes to my podcast, I think I'm friends with. And I have their phone number. and I just randomly will text them on a Friday night like we're friends and we're not. But for some reason... Any time I called Kamala, and this is the truth, it might have been a hundred times. I was out with friends. We were talking wrestling. I called Kamala. I FaceTimed him. He answered every single time. Graciously, humbly, he told awesome WWE stories, like stuff that no one's ever heard before. Always made it like the hit of the party when we called Kamala. And throughout the last eight years, we stayed in touch all the time, constantly. And the roles got reversed with everything going on, the pro this and anti this. James would reach out to me to make sure I was okay. And that always blew my mind when my phone would ring and would say, James Harris, Kamala. And he would be like, Mike, listen, are you okay? Are you staying safe up there? Why are you traveling to these countries? He's always looked out for me. And that always blew my mind. So I'm reposting the podcast with Kamala, not because of my performance, because I shit the bed, but just for Kamala, out of respect to him and just showing you what a nice guy he was. And he told some awesome stories, so... So I'm going to go hide in the fetal position as I repost this show. And so, James, I wish there was a bigger forum for me to express my thanks for our friendship. But but for me being a child of the 80s and being a diehard wrestling fan and to call you a friend is just really special, man. So rest in peace, James Harris. Thank you, Kamala. He is one of the biggest wrestlers in popularity and in size. He's the man who scared many children with his promos and entrances, one of the most entertaining and one of the greatest gimmicks of all time, a true wrestling living legend. I know him as James Harris. Everyone else knows him as the Ugandan Giant. I'd like to welcome to the Good Life Radio Show, the great Kamala. Kamala, what's going on, my man? I appreciate you calling the show. Everything all right? Oh, man, I'm glad to call this. Uh, you know, I'm... Glad to call the show. Yeah, how's everything is all right. How you guys doing? Listen to me. First off, I was on your website, and I see a YouTube video. How's your leg, and what exactly happened? You want to tell my audience what's going on with your leg? What happened to you? Yeah, well, it's uh, diabetes and high blood pressure, and it uh, kind of got to my kidneys, so uh, now I'm on dialysis, and uh, I have to have one of my legs, have my left leg amputated. But, uh, you know, I didn't get through all of that, uh, so everything is going okay now. That's great. Listen, 
I'll tell you something. So now I interview a lot of sports athletes on the show, and I'll throw it on Facebook and Twitter, and I get a million responses from it. Oh, good luck. I write on Twitter and Facebook. I have, well, one of my friends write on Facebook for me that I'm interviewing you. I've never got so many messages about Kamala. People are beyond ecstatic about the show, so I'm going to get right to the interview. You're born in Mississippi. How the hell did you end up in Michigan, and how did you even start wrestling? Uh, when I went to Michigan, I left Florida, and I went to Michigan, and I was living up there with my sister. I never wanted to get into wrestling, but I used to watch it a lot on television, and I liked it. But uh, uh, I couldn't find a job, and so I would go over Zia, and uh, he kind of introduced me to wrestling. And I said, after I couldn't find a job, I said, I'm going to go into wrestling. Maybe I can make me some money. So that's kind of how I got into wrestling. Now, listen, is it true your first, one of your first nicknames was Ugly Bear? Is that true? Yeah, that was one of my first names. Well, my first name was Sugar Bear, and after that they changed it to Ugly Bear. A good-looking guy and like I really yourself, liked that's it. ridiculous. <laughs> Excuse me? I said, a good-looking guy like yourself? Come on, that's a little disrespectful. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, now, I am a handsome guy now. <laughs> Listen, I agree. How how did Kamala, the Ugandan headhunter, how did that come about, that whole gimmick, with you being the headhunter from Africa? How did that come about? Well, it come about, uh, after I used to live in London, and after I moved back from London, I went to the Mid-South Coliseum here in Memphis to see one of my friends, and Jerry Lawler saw me, and Jerry Jarrett, who was kind of the local promoter, and they looked at me and they said, look, I want you to go on back home and I'm going to give you a call in a few days. And so he gave me a call. I didn't I didn't look for the call. So he gave me a call, and we went to uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee, and Lawler started putting makeup on me, and then he put the skirt on me and all that stuff, and he asked me, he said, you going to be embarrassed to do this? I said, no, as long as I'm making money, I'm not going to be embarrassed. And so he asked me, could I uh, wrestle him that Monday night uh, at the Mid-South Coliseum? And I told him, yeah, I'd be glad to do it. So I went to the Mid-South Coliseum, and they had been kind of down. You know, they would they, they look like a bomb scare in the Coliseum. And I went there that Monday night, and it was sold out. And that was one of the greatest feelings of my life. And uh, that's how the Kamala gimmick got started. Uh, Jerry Lawler started. But after that, I kind of changed the name to Kamala, K-A-M-A-L-A. It uh-huh. used to be K-I-M-A-L-A. And after that, I started making my own little and doing my own paint myself, and that's how I got started. I went on from there. Oh, that's fascinating. Now, listen, you were, you were huge in the WWF. One of your first feuds yes. were with Andre the Giant. That was one of your first big feuds. How was he as a man? Cause we've seen the e True Hollywood story, the books on him. How was Andre? Was it scary wrestling someone that size? No, it wasn't scary to me. You know, uh, Andre and I, the first match I ever had with Andre was in Oklahoma City. And uh, he's under, people that don't know Andre, that big smile that he had on his face when he go into the ring, he just really wasn't like that. Uh, you know, God bless his soul, he was a real temperamental guy, and he tried it on me. Oh, really? Yes, he did. Oof. Okay, I, re- I remember this when I was little. Your promos, you had the best promos. I'll tell you my favorite Kamala promo. Because this one really scared the crap out of me. You were being interviewed, and you turn around, and like you hear like a biting or you hear a sound, and then you see feathers flying around. 
like giving the indication that you just ate a bird. I remember running. It was like probably a Saturday morning wrestling. I remember running to my mom, saying, Ma, Kamala just ate a bird. I you scared the crap out of me when I was little. <laughs> now, listen. Yeah, you, well, you know, yeah. That, was, that was my gimmick. That was my gimmick. I wanted people to be scared, but I wanted, I wanted to entertain them where they would come to see me. And which, they which, did. which you did, yeah, without a doubt. Now, in the mid-'80s, you started feuding with Hogan. You and Hogan had a good feud. Were you surprised that you never received that big bump, that big hit to go to the top of the WWF at the time? Yes, I, you know, I would, and I worked hard for it, too. And I looked for it, but Vince just never, never did give it to me. And I wrestled, uh, you know, Hogan all over the place, Madison Square Garden, the Camp Center, just, just everywhere. And I, you know, and we were sold out everywhere. But I just didn't get that big, big, big. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, because you know what? Watching you, like, you can talk about. First of all, I'm gonna get to your action figure in a little while. But when you talk about old wrestling, it happens all the time. I'm, I don't really watch wrestling anymore. But you talk about old wrestling. Your name always comes up. You hear Hogan, this Kamala. Your gimmick was great. Everything about you was great. And I, I, I'm seriously always curious when I YouTube your videos, how you never received that ultimate, because you're feuding with Hogan, yet you never got the big pay-per-view match. It always really was mind-boggling to me. You never got that. Do you know why you never got that final, that big bump? I don't know why. I, I don't know why, but I know when I had the feud with Andre the Giant, mm-hmm. and uh, after I had the feud with Andre the Giant, then I was looking to wrestle him in the, in the WrestleMania in Michigan, uh, because I was the one that had the feud with him, and they stuck Hogan there. And yeah, then you know after mm-hmm. that, you know, I had all those uh, matches with Hogan, feuds with Hogan, and when it comes to pay-per-views, I never was in it. I never was in one pay-per-view until 2002, and that was the gimmick battle roar, so that don't mean a lot to me. You know what? It's funny you said that. When I, you and I started talking, we started texting each other. I started to do more research on you for the interview. I've always known who you are. And I'm reading stuff about you that you were feuding with Andre right before WrestleMania three at the Pontiac Silverdome, which set every record possible. If you find Andre, not even in the main event, if you find Andre there, your career is completely different. You're you're Kamala who fought in front of a hundred thousand people. And again, before WrestleMania four, it seemed like you always fought everyone right before the pay per view, and then for some reason you weren't involved in it. Yeah, and I, you know I talked to Vince about about this. And Vince told me, said, uh, I think you're doing okay. I think you're doing okay. If you don't like it, you're welcome to walk out anytime you want to. It's unbelievable. Now, when I, I remember my dad took me to WrestleMania 4 at the Trump Plaza in Atlantic City. And the other night, sometimes I watch all the old wrestling tapes because nothing's better. And I said to myself, it was, that was a tournament that the Macho Man won. And I said, who'd Kamala fight in, that, in the tournament? You weren't even in the WrestleMania. You won the biggest names around WrestleMania 4, and you weren't even in the tournament. Yeah, I know. I never was in a WrestleMania, and uh, like I said, to 2002, so I don't really count that. And, you know, as long as I was around the WWF, it was WWF then, mm-hmm. and he never would put me in a pay-per-view, but he always wanted me to be there, just be there, just in the dressing room, doing nothing. Now, one of your f- most famous matches, in my opinion, was the 92 Survivor Series, the Corfin match with Undertaker. After that match, yeah. why'd you leave? Why'd you leave the WWF after that? Well, I was in the WWF. Uh, uh, you know, after Undertaker and I had that big match 
uh, in London yep. in front of 90,000 people. Plus, it was a pay-per-view. You know, uh, Undertaker got a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. I only got $13,000. And you, oh, you know, that's a big difference. <clears throat> wow. And at this point, you were, have, you were a big name. Yeah, I know. I know. And you're, I, it, it just went right. Come on, you're saying after the match, in front of 90,000 people, the Undertaker got half a million and you got 13,000? $13, and I still have this, that, that chick stood. No, what was the justification for that? Did you ever bring that up? Like, what? listen, the Undertaker bi- was bigger, but why would he get 50 times? What was the justification for that? I, I really don't know. Ooh. I really don't know. And I still stayed on there. And uh, I stayed on there. And Vince, I have this contract, too, where Vince had me on a contract where he'll take out 15% of my pay for two years. And if I walk out, then, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get that 15%. Now, he didn't do none of the rest of the guys like that. I don't believe he ever did anybody like that. Well, no. I know they, they probably was on contract because they, they didn't uh, went on a contract where They'll take part of their pay until, you know, their contract is up. I never even heard of anything like that. Are you friends with any wrestlers still right now? Uh, the only one that I'm friends with now is uh, that I've talked to is uh, Coco Beware. Oh, co- really? Yeah, he lives here in Memphis. And I'm okay. in Mississippi, so he lives he live right near me. We, uh, we're about 50 miles apart. How's Coco? Well, he used to have the bird Frankie. How's Coco Beware doing right now? Coco is doing real good right now. You know, he yeah. has a job, and he's doing real good right now. You know what? It's unbelievable. Cause I'm going to get to that. You know, I'm going to get to that right now. You, you see these wrestlers, and they're still relevant. You still go to Toys R Us. I was in Toys R Us today. And you see the wrestling figures. You see the Rowdy Piper figures. You'll see an old Coco Beware figure. If you go on eBay and you type in Kamala, those old LJN wrestling figures, they're going for 100, the big rubber figures. They're still selling your figure. And then you hear that Coco Beware has a job. It's for me. It's sad. You guys are famous living legends, and yet now is it true that I read this a couple places? I'm assuming it's true. Why? Like I heard you were driving trucks. Why was that? Like, did you? What happened? You were just done with wrestling. How'd that come about? No. Uh, after I left the WWE, mm-hmm. I came home and I got me a job with a friend of mine uh, driving truck. He have a bunch of trucks. And I had to drive through. Plus, when I came from the WWF, I was I was broke. I didn't have no money, and and uh, I went to driving truck so I could take care of my family and take care of all my welfare here at home. I had to work. I didn't have no money, and no no royalties or nothing like that coming in. You know, if you count a hundred and fifty dollars every three months, a hundred and forty dollars, something like that. And one time I got a check for a dollar and seventy cent. I think it was. Now, $1.70 for three months for my royalty. Now, because I, I actually have so many questions about this. It's, it's actually, again, an honor. I'm interviewing Kamala. You're saying royalties. Now, obviously, you have action figures. Did you, and, and you had shirts, and you had did, merchandise, $1.70. Do you, did you get money for that, a lot of money at the time when people bought your figures or bought your shirt? Did you get a nice check for that? How do you get $1.70? No, no, I don't, I don't. I don't get no royalties. You, you know, when I got a hundred forty dollar to, uh, um, you know, now one time I got a check for 
for $600 or something like that for three months, you know, and, and that's, that is it. And they, But they tell me, my, I call up to the office and they tell me my wrestling figures, they just not selling. But, well, if they're not selling and they know they're not selling, then I'm not good for the market. So why do they keep asking me to sign contracts uh, every four or five years for them to make merchandise of me? Yeah, if, you, if they're not selling, well, they made a WWF classic figure of you. That's on, you know what, on eBay it's selling for 30 40 bucks, And if you go to a few websites, you can your figure is selling for $20, $30 to buy a brand-new figure of you. Obviously, people are buying yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, it's a gentleman from New York, and he had a Toys of Us, I think. I think that was New York. He okay. called me himself. And he told me, say, uh, look, Kamala, I read where you said that you weren't getting any royalties for your wrestling figures because they were not selling. He said, we can't keep them on our ship. And he said, I know that Walmart, Target, and all those places, they probably doing the same thing. He said, what you need to do is get you a lawyer. Well, I got a lawyer, three different lawyers at three different times, because one will tell me, uh, we 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 can't see where you where Vince owe you anything for royalties, and then they tell me that Sir Vince is a billionaire, and we can't book up against v, uh, Vince because he can hold out until the cows come home. That's oh. exactly what one lawyer told. Me. And I had course. three different lawyers that tell me that they couldn't do nothing. You know what? It's frustrating. Cause I'll tell you this now. Like I said, I'm interviewing you because I love interviewing people. And I am a huge fan. I did buy a figure. Yeah. Right when you told me you told me you were going on the show, I went on and I bought one of your figures. So I'm going to mail it to you. I want you to sign it for me. I hang it in my basement. I have all different memorabilia of all different people. When you go there, your figure is, and I'm not just saying this to blow smoke up your ass. When you go to the store and you see the generic figures, you see a Kamala figure, it sticks out. The mask, the big belly, the, the moon, the sun, everything. Your figure sticks out. It is one of the unique, rare, and one of the best gimmicks ever. And now, does Vince McMahon, because I heard this about him, does he own the name Kamala, the trademark? No, he don't own it. He okay. don't own it. But now, uh, you know, I own my own name. But okay. when I sign the contract, it's for him to, uh, you know, it's just for uh, my merchandise. That's all it's for. Oh, my God. Now, getting back to wrestling, was it fun coming back to the gimmick battle royal? Because the place, let's, let's be honest, the place went nuts when you came out. Yeah, I noticed that. But now, what it was, I was driving truck then, and uh, they had called me two or three times, and I told them that I'd think about it. And, and uh, so I thought about it and thought about it because I didn't want to go. I didn't want to have nothing to do with wrestling. And for seven years, I didn't. And uh, finally, I made up my mind to go. And I called them up and told them I, said, I would do it. And I went to the King of Battle Royal, and things just weren't the same. And I remember one of the guys telling me, uh, you can sit anywhere you want to now. Because, see, when I was in the WWF, if I get there early and get me a good dressing room where I can put all my paint and stuff on, then some of the agents will come around and tell me that they need that dressing room for Hogan. They need it for Auntie, uh, some of the guys like that, because I just wasn't good enough to have my own dressing room. And I would go out, me and Steve Lombardi, and find old curtains, and old strains just tie me or make me a dressing room. You know, it'd be hot in the summertime and cold in the wintertime. I couldn't be on the air conditioning. 
And, and so that's one thing, one reason I would just do it wrestling, even if I starved to death. Wow. Now, come on, let me ask you a question. Okay. You, yeah, I, this is, I was excited about uh, interviewing you, and hearing your answers, it's, I'm telling you, it's shocking on my end that this, this was going on. Have Now, Bret Hart, uh, Mick Foley, they've, wrote, they've written books which have been hugely successful. Have you ever been approached, or do you have any desire to write a book about your story? No, I, I hadn't been approached. Uh, I, I thought about writing a book, but I just didn't have anybody to, uh, you know, to bag me on it or to write it for me. And uh, a lot of a lot of little local guys were talking about writing me, a, writing a book for me, but they didn't really know what they were doing because they you know, they never did uh, come back. They never did do anything. Because you know, I read the old wrestling books. Like I said, I read Mankind and. Bret Hart, and for me, it's like you hear about it, and you hear them complain a little bit, but again, it's hard to hear Bret Hart complain or Mick Foley, knowing they were making millions and their merchandise is everywhere. I, I want to hear someone from you who was a superstar and didn't get the treatment. Didn't You hear about these old NFL players who were superstars who aren't getting paid money now, but people keep sweeping it under the rug, and it sucks. Like Your story should be told. This is ridiculous. Like what? What Before your leg... Before you had the injury, you like, what are you up to now? What were you doing now? What was Kamala up to? Uh, before I had this interview. No, before before you uh your you leg, before everything happened with your leg, what were you up to? Yeah, I was I was I was driving truck. Really? I was driving truck. Yeah, I was driving truck, and uh, I was driving truck, and uh, you know, I passed through uh, when I was running on the road. Uh, I passed by some of the old places that I used to wrestle in, and I would say, I sold that building out with Hogan. I sold that building out with Andre, and I was all up in New York. And I remember one time I passed by the WWE office, okay. and I looked, you know, it was about surprise, and I looked and I saw that building, and tears just streamed down my face. I just, I had to pull over. I had to pull over. I was crying so hard because, you know, how I was mistreated. And that really hurt me. Mm-hmm. You see the WWE yeah. logo, and you see it. And for me, it brings back memories of my childhood. Like, I remember sitting down with my dad and my brother, watching it, acting like these figures. I'm going to be honest with you. We, um, My dad used to make the big scissors like we were Bruce Beefcake. My brother, he used to paint the stuff on his Kamala, wear like a little dress and run around. We imitated you guys, and then you hear stories of this. It's it's shocking, and it sucks that more people don't know this. When, when I was at work, Kamala, I'll tell you this. I'm at work, and people are always like, oh, who are you going to have on your show? I mention your name. It's funny. I'll mention I've had big-time sports athletes on my show. And everyone's like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. What are they up to? That's it. I say I have Kamala on the show. Whole, like it, it stops everybody. Like, Kamala, oh, my God, Kamala, what's he up to? People ask so much questions. About it, it's it's crazy. Your story's not known. Hopefully, this gets more information out. But it's it sucks about it sucks about these old wrestlers. It's tragic. Yeah. Now right. listen, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Do you have any of your old figures? Like, is it cool having your old wrestling figure? Yeah, I have all of my wrestling figures. Now, you know how I got them? How? Some of the fans sent me some, and then I bought some of them. Uh, I called them after they had made the figures. And uh, they wouldn't give me any of them. They they just wouldn't give me any. How is that possible? You know, I don't I don't know. 
I don't know, but I was a good guy. I was a good guy at WWF. Never caused any trouble. Now everybody was doing drugs up there. That was their business, and it wasn't mine. And I didn't bother. I was always on time. Never did drugs. Always passed my drug test. Just never was trouble with anybody. And, and you get treated I, this I, way. I don't understand. All right, come on. Let me ask you a question now, because I want I'm, I'll, I'll keep you for a few more minutes. What's your best wrestling memory? Right now, if you, you write your book and say, come on, what's your favorite wrestling memory? What is it? Uh, I, I have a few, but I could say wrestling, I'm going to take in from the 90,000 people in London, mm-hmm. and wrestling Hogan in uh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, those are some of my, my greatest memories. Now, what's your biggest regret with wrestling? Uh, my biggest regret is uh, when I saw that I wasn't, getting paid well and mm-hmm. sometimes had to sleep in cars because I couldn't, didn't have enough money to get me a motel room and then try to take care home. Uh, I wish I had to just left wrestling then. I do. Now, is, now is this, in, this isn't the WWF talking about that you didn't have money for a hotel room, is it? Yes, now I had money sometime. But see, when uh, me and uh, my manager... Uh, you know, managers just acted managers. When we were split, uh, rent a car, and in order for me to uh, have money to take care of my home, I would always just sit, sleep in the rental car a couple of nights. My manager could he could afford he was making more money than I was, and he could Un- afford to get motel rooms. So I just couldn't. On it, it, uh, like I said, come on, let me tell you what happened when when the phone got disconnected. I, you know, I, during the show, I get a few text messages. I'll get Twitter inboxes, and people are literally shocked. This is heartbreaking. This is tragic bullshit. People are just saying the same things over and over. It's just, it's mind-boggling. Okay, let me ask you a couple questions. Because I, I, I'm just obsessed with the old wrestling. Who were your closest friends back then? Back when, in the late '80s, early '90s, who were you closest with on the road? Who'd you guys hang out with? Who'd you party with? Who were your boys back then? Well. I never did party. I oh, never wow. did. I didn't. I never did party. Never did go out to drinks and things like that. Now I have uh, had a few drinks, but you know, it's just uh, you know, just to feel mellow or something like that. No drugs or nothing like that. And who I would, I, you know, I just didn't have nobody that I would hang out with. Coco was my closest, or my closest friend, you know, in wrestling. Now he mm-hmm. would go out. And have a few drinks, but I, I just stayed in the, stayed in my uh, motel room, or in the car, wherever I was. Okay, now listen, I have a couple more questions. Right now, if I take Kamala's phone, who's the coolest person in your phone right now? That if you want to go out and be like, look who I have in my phone, who's the coolest person you have in your phone right now? The coolest person that I have in my phone? Yes. I would have to say Coco. Coco's a pretty big name, man. He's big time. Now, let me ask you, do you want to promote anything? Can I? Can we promote anything for you, the show? We have hundreds of listeners. You want to promote your website? Uh, However, we can help you out. Yes, I, I would like for people to, uh, uh, you know, I don't want anybody to give me anything. I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me because I don't feel sorry for myself. Uh, I'm uplifted. I feel good. I just would like for people to uh, buy my CDs. And you know they home done. I don't. I'm not trying to uh, anybody. And I do all my stuff here at home. I like for them to buy my CDs, and I sell them for fifteen dollars. 
You want to give the website out, Kamala, so everybody knows where to get them? Well, I really don't have a good website, but they can go to, they can, uh, uh, they know my email address because I get emails from thousands of fans all the time. And uh, they can order my CDs at T.O. Box 235, and that's in Como, C-O-M-O, M.S. from Mississippi. And the zip code is 38619. Now, come on. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Two things quick. I've got more questions, and I'll let you go. I'll, I'm okay. actually building my website now. I'll have that. I'll have all your information on the bottom of the website. And this whole week, I'll do, I'm doing two more shows this week. I'm interviewing a, an old big-time football uh-huh. player, and the best, I'll promote your, your CDs and everything. Do you have any affiliation with the WWE right now? No, just the, um, you know, the contract that I signed last year for uh, them to make merchandise of me. And Wait, I you, read, what made me sign that contract is they give you $10,000 up front. Okay. And $10,000 helped me, helped me a lot. Of course. Because I don't have, because I don't have any money. And uh, I don't, I didn't make it, and, and so I didn't, didn't have any to say. So uh, I signed the contract for the ten thousand dollars, and they sent me the ten thousand dollars. But that ten thousand dollars, they t- they take that back if my merchandise sell. So I don't know if my merchandise selling or not. They can tell me anything. So if they'll say my my merchandise did about three hundred dollars. The last quarter, the last three months, so they okay. they'll take that three hundred dollars from that ten thousand dollars. So it'll be a year or two before I get any money. And, and when you, I get it, it's gonna be like a hundred fifty, two hundred dollars, four hundred dollars. That's all it's gonna be. And come on, you know what's funny? They, they tell you your merchandise isn't selling, yet they, they want to offer you a contract to make sure that they make money off your name. Oh yes, yes, because like the guy from uh, Toys R Us say. Uh, if they wouldn't sell it, why do they keep getting you the same contract? Exactly. Come on, let me ask you two more questions. Tell, can you tell the audience, if you want, one crazy WWF story, like an old story. It can be in the ring, outside the ring. Just tell us a crazy story, like, wow, that happened? Because your whole interview has been beyond shocking. Just tell us one crazy, unknown WWF story. Okay, uh, one story is... Uh, once they said that I had to beat a beat some guy down in St. Louis, some a wrestling fan, which mm-hmm. that you know it didn't happen, but they put it on me. They thought I had a lot of money and thought they could get a lot of money from me. And they said that Kamala can't even speak English. So they couldn't control him, couldn't do nothing with with Kamala. I just beat the guy, messed his knees up, messed his nose up. So anyway, I was in. North Carolina one time, okay. and he, I saw these deputy, I saw these deputy sheriff coming, and we can't face a lot back then. And I saw these deputy sheriff coming. I was sitting up there smoking a big cigar in the dressing room, and so I put my cigar out and I went into my gimmick. You know, hubba, 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 hubba. I couldn't <laughs> speak English, and so they said, uh, uh, "Kamala, we came to serve you uh, for something happened in St. Louis." I went, oh, 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 oh. And, uh, you know, like I couldn't speak English. <laughs> so they said, so they t- took those papers and slapped them down on my lap and they said, Kamala, 
you've been served. I said, wait a minute, man, look here. I, said, I, I didn't do nothing. I said, I'm James Harris. I ain't no Kamala. I said, I'm James Harris. I ain't no Kamala. So that's one I think was kind of funny to me because everybody in the dressing room joked, joked me for years about this. Come on, that's actually really funny. Okay, two last things. I saw that you're on Twitter. You, you don't tweet a lot? You don't really go on Twitter that much? No, I, because I don't know how to use Twitter. I'm just on Facebook, just a regular uh, internet. All right, I actually put your thing on Twitter, so I, I was following you. All right, Kamal, listen, two things, I'm going to let you go. One, thank okay. you so so much. This was be, be funner than I even thought. You know what, a lot of people, let me, real quick, every every interview I get, I have high expectations or I have low expectations. Some athletes I interviewed, I'm like, oh, I'm interviewing so-and-so, and they're just boring. They just answer generically. You, I had pretty high expectations because of your colorful character, and you, it was completely opposite. You were... And I'm not just bullshitting you. This is one of the best interviews, the funnest, and I'm getting so much feedback on my Twitter inbox or email that they love you. That this was awesome. People with more Kamala, more old wrestling. So here's what we're going to do. I have your number. After we hang up, I'm going to put your, all your information on my – I'm going to tweet it, and hopefully some of my audience and your old fans will buy some of your stuff. Now, Kamala, real quick, I just want to tell you how, I, how your name kept coming up. Uh-huh. I'm, on twi- I'm on Twitter, and have you heard about the Coney 2012 video about the guy in Oh, Africa? yeah, the, the guy in Uganda. Okay, so listen, so I, I watched that YouTube video, like 60 million, million other people, and I'm on Twitter, and I see uh, stuff about Kamala. I said, oh, well, what's, and sadly, when you see old wrestlers, you're thinking, you're thinking the worst. I'm like, oh, not Kamala. And then it says Kamala should be, like, everybody's making, like, fun jokes. If Kamala was there, this wouldn't be happening. I go, holy Thousands and thousands of people were writing about you. So then I looked you up, and that's how I found your website and stuff. But still relevant. It sucks that the story is even going on because 20,000, 100,000, a million people are talking about you on Twitter. Every time it says, it's funny, Kamala, it says, Coney 2012, I'll email you the link. And then it says, like, if Kamala was in Uganda, this wouldn't happen. Let's get Kimchi and Kamala to end this. It's, it's Kamala. But listen, I have your number. We'll, we'll text back and forth. When you get a chance, hit up Coco Beware. I'd like to interview him, too. But let me ask you one last question, Kamala. Was it fun? Was it all fun? Forget about the money. Forget how you got screwed, sleeping in the cars, walking out in front of 90,000 people, going to stores, having your action figure. Was it fun? Was it all worth it besides the money? Oh, yeah, I I think so. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love for my fans to email me and write to me and and things like that. Um, yeah, and then I, you know, I, I think my name got out pretty good. People know me everywhere. And then that, that do make me feel good. Do you ever YouTube your old videos and watch your old wrestling stuff? You know, uh, out of all these years, I just started watching some of my old videos. You know, when I was with Hogan and uh, yes. taking Andre and all those old guys. And then a lot of the guys that I was with when I was in Mid-South Sports, I, I watch a lot of it now. I, I look at when I wrestled Shawn Michael when he was, uh, you wouldn't even know him if he was someone uh, on, the, on the old video that I got. So it, it, I, I look at a lot of this stuff, me and Cactus Jack. and yes. you know, Yeah. You know so I, I look at a lot of those guys. Listen, it's funny you said that. I'll keep you on the phone for 30 more seconds. It's funny you said that because... YouTube is the greatest invention ever. So you'll type in Kamala, and they'll have your matches with Doink, with Brooklyn, Brooklyn Brawl. These old matches that no one even remembers are on there, and you watch them, 
And then you, you can sit there for hours watching these old wrestling. Nothing's better. It's, so, it's funny now when the kids now say, oh, wrestling's great. I'm, I feel bad for them. I said, I wish you could have watched it when there was every guy, like right now, every guy's on steroids with the tattoos. I said there was legitimate gimmicks, and everyone, it was just phenomenal. But listen, Kamala, I want to thank you. This was the best interview. I had so much fun. We've been texting each other back and forth. I'm going to keep in touch with you. I'm going to put all your stuff on my website. We'll get uh, Coco Beware on the show. Maybe you come on the show with him. We'll do a three-way interview. We'll reminisce about old wrestling. I want to thank you so much for doing the show. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure, man. Okay, man. I really enjoyed it. And I'm looking for me a good lawyer. Listen, I'll make some calls. (laughs) I I, I don't say what my job is on the air. I told you what my profession is. I'll see I can make some calls. Listen, we have each other's phone number. I'll keep in touch with you, but for real, I'll keep in touch with you. I'm up here in New York, and uh, Kamala, thank you so much, my man. I really appreciate it. I'll retweet Oh, really? I really appreciate you, too. And I'm, I'll keep in touch with you, okay, buddy? Okay, and tell all my friends that's behind. I love them. I will. Thank you, Kamala. Thank you so okay, much, buddy. Okay, thank you. Okay. Bye.